0: Welcome to The Point of View Show. My name is Andrew Tran, I'm your host. This show highlights business professionals in Asia and around the world to get an understanding on what makes them effective, how they do it, and advice to help you grow in leadership, branding, marketing, and sales. For more information, head over to my website, www.andrewtran.asia. Before we get into it, smash that subscribe button and click notifications, whether or not you're listening or watching this. It helps me a ton and it helps other like-minded people find these episodes a lot easier. Now let's get on with the show. My next guest is Luciana Carney. She is a creative director with over 23 years of experience working across the world in four different continents. She's currently the executive creative director for Sachi and Saatchi in Tokyo, Japan. Before that, she worked over in Lisbon in Portugal and also in Chicago in the USA for Leo Burnett and As you can probably will tell um, when you watch the episode or listen to the episode, she has a Brazilian accent. So she's from Brazil and she's been working with some of the top agencies in Sao Paulo as well coming through. Her background is amazing. You should definitely, definitely check her out coming through. She's won a whole bunch of awards both in Lisbon um, and in the US as well as one of the top 18 creative directors for Ad Week 100 back in 2017. My chat with her was really, really cool. We dived into the essence of what branding is on her opinion coming in, and at the same time, uh, I wanted to dive into leadership from her perspective, given that she's worked across multiple countries, multiple cultures, multiple languages, how, and also in leadership positions, how do you translate what you are trying to achieve um, to people around you so that they can help achieve it with you? And I think that's really, really cool. And so she also gave some advice for also creatives out there looking to solve uh, creative challenges properly coming in. So I hope you guys like it. Without further ado, give it up for Luciana Carney. Luciana, how are you going?
1: Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for this invitation. I'm very happy to be here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, um, very, very welcome to come on. And for anyone who's watching or listening, you guys skipped uh, that first bit, um you know just to let you guys know like Luciana has this immense background um in the creative industry she's won a whole ton of awards she's been you know jet-setting all around the world as well from Europe from South America and now in Asia as well so big big thank you uh you know for coming on board just a quick question like you know as a creative you know when, when it comes to your favorite creator who is it and why?
1: It's so funny. Uh, This is the kind of question that I'm always afraid because I never had one artist or one creative person that I admire because my interests like change all the time. I can say like in the moment, I'm very focused like illustrators and like I'm crazy about like Nina Cosford, for example, but I was crazy about Oliver Jeffers before. And sometimes I'm very like crazy about writers and like, I'm, I, I don't have like a favorite band. If you're gonna ask me this, this kind of questions that everyone has like, okay, my favorite band is this, but I don't have. And I think it's nice for a long time. I was like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. But uh, I think that is as a creative person, I learned that it's okay to change your interest all the time. And um, yeah, and now I'm more comfortable to say I don't have one. I don't have one artist or one creative person that I love. I always like search inspirations in different fields. And now I'm like an illustrator's face. I'm like crazy about this girl that she illustrates like about women, but she really uh, add like a lot of ideas. It's a very simple way to illustrate, but she always go in the essence, right? And the, the essence of an idea. So whatever, it depends. If you ask me next week, you're maybe I'm gonna say a completely different name.
2: <laughs> no, that's, that's totally fine. Um, you know, I think, it's like me, like, you know, I love combat sports, so I love boxing. So if you were to say, who's your favorite, you know, fighter of all time, and I'll be like, is it now? Is it the last couple of years? Is it forever? You know, it changes every time, (laughs) different eras, different times, um, and each with their own style as well. And so that's really cool. That's a really cool answer coming through. But uh, for anyone who's watching or listening, like today's episode is about featuring you, but also just understanding in terms of, Uh, you know, what makes a brand iconic in itself, but also to dive a little bit into your leadership skills, Uh, being someone who has worked across multiple countries, multiple um, cultures with with multiple languages, how do you kind of translate uh, what your vision is and and purpose towards, you know, your team in order to execute on time, on budget. So really quickly, like with a budget, I'm sorry, with branding, what makes a brand iconic? like a Nike, like an Apple?
1: Um, I think the first thing is consistency. So if you look at all these brands uh, and you go behind how they are built and everything, they have all the all the all the dots connected. Like it's not only a good product and like not so good communication. It's not only about communicate really well a product, but the product really doesn't deliver in the same level. So the way they treat customers, how sometimes they turn like a, a very loyal customer into the spokespersons of the brand. So they have all these dots really well connected like over decades, right? And when you see these brands, you say, how these brands that over decades, they are always like so on top of what's happening now. And you see that other brands, they are not so consistent. What they do is like they shift the strategy. Oh, now pop culture is going that direction. So we need to shift our like brand to this direction and it sounds really fake because it's not something that comes with a believable background that, okay, this brand is evolving to get to this point. So if you think about these iconic brands, they are on top of what's happening now, but they are not catching up with like what's going on in society. They keep like they keep evolving to get in this point and say, okay, they are always, always connect to consumers. They, they are like, on top of everything is not and not shifting strategy. That's why when you look back, they, they come like in a consistent work, uh, and the, and when it comes with communication product and the way they treat and they see customers. So that's that's my opinion. And I think that consistency is the, the big thing in a brand.
2: Right. Consistency. Do you think also like the brand ethos, like the story remains consistent as well throughout time. Yeah,
1: so, and evolves. Yeah. It doesn't mean that that it's not going to evolve, but evolve with something that, okay, comes from something that they had in their roots when the, the brand was uh, conceived. And it keeps evolving. As a society, we can change our opinions and be the same person, right? But a brand needs to do that in a way that is believable and not this, like, oh, now most of consumers think like that, and it's better that I think like that too, right? It's not. It's not the way you you bring consistency. And that's why I believe they evolve with society. They are on top of what's happening, but like in a way that you say, okay, that, that, that has uh, has something believable with the past of the brand if you see there is something that goes like that, you know like shifting directions to catch up with what's going on and what's trendy now, I think that's the big difference in my opinion
0: yeah, uh, as you say, that kind of
2: reminds me like how Nike's kind of shifted um and evolved through time uh just started off just being uh, like yeah
1: an like like Exactly, and I think like when I was like 14 year old, I used to love Nike, right? And I changed it so much. I'm a completely different person than I was in 15. I still love Nike. And I can see that they, they were evolving with me. It's not something that is, oh no, this brand like it doesn't speak with me anymore. And that's it's really nice. They keep evolving with society. And yeah. that's why yeah. that's why we love these brands like over decades, right? They are always on top of everything. And and that's super nice. I believe in like in 20 years, I still going to love Nike and Apple and everything. So yeah. How, how you explain that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I also like how over time, iconic brands become iconic because they add depth um, and it goes to what you've been saying before, like it evolves through time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you think brands now like being a lot more, you know, I guess, uh, have some sort of social responsibility uh, in terms Mm -hmm. of how they present themselves and, you know and and sticking up for the various causes uh that relates to not only their customers but also the ethos of that brand itself so i think you know and a good example is nike um, another one is apple as well that's coming through okay hey, so uh really quickly before we move on uh you know what what is your favorite kind of um you know what's the kind of favorite brand you've worked for in the past
1: So uh, it was a coincidence. I never had like this thing. I want to work with uh, this kind of brand. I think it was very natural in my career because I changed to many different countries and like small markets, big markets. I had the opportunity to work with all kinds of brands. But it's something that happened many times in my career was to promote like a, a destination. So I'll work with like promoting Lisbon when I was in Portugal. And we are working for Lisbon Council and we are promoting the city for tourists. And it was amazing. It was really, really fun. Every year we had one project to Like it was almost like a way to say to Lisbon, we love you. And it was interesting because there are a lot of foreigners and a lot of Portuguese people involved in these projects. So I have three projects that we did over three years and I'm really proud. And then when I moved to Chicago, I had no idea, but Mexico Mexico Tourism Board was the biggest client in the agency. And we are promoting Mexico, right? And it was super cool when we created Tequila Clown. We you are promoting Mexico to um, in a German uh, market, so it was another coincidence. And when I moved to Japan, I started working with Expedia. That is a little bit different, but it's a way to promote destinations too. So it's something that I really like. First, because who doesn't love it? I love travel, uh, traveling, and uh, like yeah. So that's that's why it's something that it's it's. Almost like easy to like this because you talk about this nature. You see, you think about how to seduce someone. To think about like the next uh, next trip, even like in COVID times, <laughs> we have been working uh, with Expedia a lot, which is really interesting. It's uh it's it's kind of a uh, kind of a subject that came many times in my career, and um, I really I really like it.
2: <laughs> so speaking really quickly on. I guess your experience in travel in itself and obviously, you know, you mentioned right now with COVID the situation that's happening at the moment, you know, in your opinion, so without kind of going in depth with with Expedia with your client, what do you think in general, like brands should be, you know, within that kind of tourism sector should be articulating, I guess uh, when it comes to their, you know, their brand itself or their destination?
1: I think I think people will everyone wants to travel, and I think everyone's like waiting for this moment. But I think when everything happened, a lot of people had like uh, trips scheduled, and uh, and some it, some people had bad experience, like trying to cancel and try to reschedule. And I think that was a huge and important moment for like airline companies and like hotels and all these. this this industry to show like, I understand what you're going through and I'm with you. I'm going to make this process less painful for you. I think there are a lot of brands that did this really well and a lot of brands like are trying to to fix the problem now. I think that's the biggest difference. I think that it was a a huge opportunity to to be close to the customers and to say, okay, I know, I understand. I'm going to help you to solve this problem because I know you're going to come back to us at some point. So I think that was the big thing in the industry. Of course, a lot of brands and uh, part of the industry could not take the burden to accept all the cancellations and everything. So yeah, I think it's it's about that. Like, I think there are some brands that are trying to build the trust again. And there are other brands that is just keeping this relationship and make people dream about the next destination. Because I think that everyone is doing that right now. Oh my god, when when I can travel, when I can travel. So I think when everything, and and I hope very soon, we'll be able to plan our trips again. So these brands that were there all the time, they're going to like really get their customers or even new customers that were like trying to switch because they didn't have a good experience in the beginning uh, of this pandemic. So yeah, I think there are a lot of opportunity um, in this field. I think like it's, there are a lot of uh, brands doing things, but it's different. We are not promoting, yeah, buy now. It's not about price now. And it, which is really interesting because sometimes we, as the creatives, we want to build brand. It's not only to offer like the best deal, that's the moment we cannot offer our best deal right now. No one's buying anything, but people like, what we want is to build the relationship. like And that's perfect for us in the moment, right? Like as a creative, that's the moment to build a brand, to be there, to be close, because in the next time, they're going to start buying and that we are there already in their minds. So it's an yeah. interesting moment.
2: Yeah. yeah, I really like what you just said. So you, you were talking about look like, we gotta be close to our customers. We've got to be empathetic to what's happened in the past, but also build that demand, I guess, that desire uh, and, and through emotive communication, through emotive creative, um, that they want to travel again. Where do they wanna travel? How should they travel? And then there's also the you know, the unique selling propositions of those particular destinations. But now I think with COVID and what I'm also seeing as well is uh the the safety aspect opposite of it of yeah. it as well and like promoting that heavily as you know as part of uh, a standardized communication type of approach coming in so I, I think that's really cool and then all, all in all that's that's all about kind of understanding who your customers are um, and, and continually listening to what your customers are saying um, and mm-hmm. also just building that narrative giving that consistent narrative coming across yeah. uh, without having to go for that sale so I think that's what I kind of took out of you just said, I think that's really really cool.
1: Thinking oh. that besides that, there are a lot of people traveling domestic, right? There are in some countries we had this purity here in Japan, we had even like a, a government promoting like domestic destination. There are some, um, some traveling happening in different countries in the different ways, so yeah. which is interesting as well.
2: Yeah, I, I see that as well, uh, especially like in Thailand that you're seeing it, um, also in, in Vietnam that promoting that domestic market. Yeah. Um, is really, really heavy. And also what I'm also seeing is, is like the freedom independent traveller market is also mm. becoming a little bit more uh, prominent because now people are like, all right, well, you know, we can't control COVID, but what can we control? Well, we can control, you know, where we want to go, how we want to uh, go about it. Yeah. And now time is so important to us um, and we want to create our own trips and our own memories, uh, which is really, really That's cool. True. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I wanted to kind of go um, step onto another thing, which is leadership, right? And I think when you and I, when we initially started talking, I was really, really interested. Um, as as a person like yourself, who you know you're from Brazil, and you've been, you know, you mentioned before you went to Lisbon, you worked there, you went to Chicago, now you're here in Asia, um, in Japan, as a creative uh, executive, creative director for Sachin Sach in Tokyo. Um, you know, you go through these countries, you go through these different language barriers, these cultural barriers, but there's always a consistent element um, in terms of how you get your point across. So I guess my question is, is what have been some of the things that it's worked for you when it comes to conveying what your vision is to either, you know, your co-workers, your clients, oh sorry, your co-workers or your clients? hmm
1: so first thing, I think empathy. So I think when you uh, come from a different cultural background and you get in a new country, a new agency, in a leadership position, you, don't, you can't think that you're going to make all decisions uh, based on things that you learned before or based on the, another market that you have worked before. I think you need to be humble and have empathy to understand that you need to learn from them as well, right? Like, I think that's the first thing. So even Portugal and Brazil they you think, oh, they speak the same language. It was like very, very different. I needed to learn a lot. So, but then in, in Portugal was different because I, I moved as our director and I, I I was moving up in the agency until you uh, get this position of the leadership. But in Chicago and Japan, I moved to like, okay, you are the, the executive director of the agency. So I think like first is like empathy, and I try to to learn the, the team and to understand like the skill set of everyone in my team. That's why like I'm very comfortable with like a, a certain size of the agency where I can really get to know everyone in my team, um, and and then you you start understand. Okay, sometimes I need to approve something that, is, for example, TV in Japan I don't do a lot. I, I work with more global projects with global brands, but once I, I was involved like in a in a local project and it was TV. And TV, I remember when I was judging festivals, like and I was still in the US, on Europe, and it was like was the time to judge Asia, like it was like, oh my god, like I don't know if I don't know how to apply my criteria to this, right? When especially when it was like very specific films for specific Asian brands. And I remember that everyone and the and the jury like was kind of like that. So I, I remember that and when I was I was judging something very local, I, I had this this again, there is a huge cultural like cultural gap here. How are we gonna say this is good or this is not, or it's approved or not? And I talked to the team and say, hey, uh, tell me a little bit about this brand. Um, um, like explain me a little bit the background, why this is good why this is so like different or, or what, and, uh, and I try, I, I'm honest, right? This is very different. Like I, like I, I need to trust in you. And I think it's, it's, it's okay. I don't need to know everything. I'm learning now. I'm like, after two years in Japan, I know much more about the culture here. So I, I bought like a book that is Jap- the Japanese mind and I try and that's what the, that's the nicest part that I travel so much because I like this part. I like to get in a place and say, oh my God, I need to learn. And then I start learning and I start like looking for something, searching information and exchange um, knowledge with my team. So I'm not this kind of leader that think, okay, no, I'm Brazilian. I, I'm going to apply my Brazilian criteria on the work. No, I can't. And I think that it's it's really hard, and it would be super difficult for me. I would be very isolated. I would never connect with my team if I would be this person. So that's why I think empathy and not afraid to be uh, honest and say mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can really judge that based on my experience. Help me to be humble. I think this is the, the kind of things I I learn, and I I think works at least for me. <laughs> that's the way. I keep moving and um, yeah, having these opportunities around the world. I think that's that's my leadership style.
2: Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, I I because I, I had the same question. I asked uh, a few other creative directors and global leaders as well. And you know, some of the things that they've done very similar to yourself. Um, you know, act as you know, have empathy absorb into that culture. Uh, but some of the people that you know have been in that position have also. You know simple as just walking through the floor and just asking, hey, just saying hello, having a good chat to, mm-hmm. to those around them and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, also, I had a really quick question like, you know, you've been, you said you mentioned you were in uh, Japan for two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's is there any kind of cultural differences you've experienced or you notice between, say, the east and west when it comes to? As simple as like pitching a client?
1: Uh, I don't know, pitching a client specifically, I think that um, I can I can tell like in the way we connect with people here um, and this has to do with clients and with my team uh, and they learn, now I'm much better on this, that the no doesn't come like that. When they say something uh, and then my team or even the clients, clients like they don't agree, it's very subtle the way the Japanese uh, people articulate the no, right? So that's, sometimes they keep the discussion and you need to understand that, okay, maybe they are, they don't agree with you. Uh, And I think it's it's something very different from like US, like straightforward, no, I don't think, or like they are, because it's something in in their culture. Think about US, since they are very little, they are debating in the schools. They are all the time, like they are, trained that's why they they speak so well like they in presentations americans they are amazing because they are used to since they are very little in brazil we are not like that we need to we are very like sometimes we can be very uh, easy going to speak and everything but it's something that in presentation sometimes you're like okay we need to train these skills uh, not the americans and in japan is the opposite because they are all about society and, and be part of like uh uh, a community. So that's why it's so nice to live here. Everyone's so polite because it's not about to be, it's not about the individual, it's about the community, right? Is it the same? They are not used to stand. I say, no, no, I don't agree. Everyone thinks the same and I, I think differently. So it's something they are. they are getting better, especially the, the new generation. But it's something that I, I had this trouble, for example, on um, beginning of uh, my role here Sometimes I was giving a direction and uh, what I received back wasn't exactly what I said. And I was like, okay, maybe this person does this translation because you, we they speak my team speaks uh, Japanese and we have the interpreter and that I speak English and they say, oh, maybe it was lost in translation, but it wasn't. Later I understood that if they don't agree, I need to understand that they are, maybe we are not on the same page and I need to keep going on the conversation until I get Okay, I now understand why you're not comfortable. Let's make it clear. So, and I learned, but in the beginning it was something that was difficult for me because like I I came from US, US they say, no, no, not even try to make you feel better, right? Like they don't agree, they don't agree, period. And uh, here it's very different. So it was was something funny. That was exactly the reason why I bought the Japanese mind and they explained it in the book. And then one, one chapter was about how, They don't say no like that when they are very yeah they they have a different way um and um yeah it's interesting i think that's something very unique about japan and uh, (laughs) i learned
2: (laughs) yeah i one of the things i i realized like now that i'm living here in vietnam but being asian myself and also growing up in australia uh so being cultured in in that kind of western mindset uh, like yourself Debating, like having that free thought to debate uh, and, and, and speak up and, you know, have, you know, constructive conversations kind of coming through. One of the things that I realize here in Vietnam or in Asia when I speak to various clients is that things take a little bit longer, but
0: it's not because
2: they're slower. It's just they, the trust needs to be built. And I think you kind of mentioned it before, like, you know, the way they say no um, is very different right? And, and over time, when you build trust, um, then you're able to get what you need. But it does take a little bit longer, uh, because mm-hmm. the way of which society has has kind of evolved, uh, in a sense, or, or has gone in a different path uh, in comparison to the West. So I think that's, that's a really good insight. So thank you so much. Um, hey, so just wrapping up, uh, I always ask every guest this, when it comes to advice. So with yourself as a creative, uh, what advice would you have to other creatives or even clients uh, when it comes to articulating or identifying the actual problem in order to solve uh, you know, the creative aspect of it?
1: Um, I think a tip is like uh, to try to see the problem from different angles, right? So if you're a creative, try to understand how the client is seeing that. Try to understand how consumers are this problem not only as a creative person like trying to like tackle like or try to solve this problem because maybe you're gonna say okay oh this is an amazing idea maybe it's this this great idea uh doesn't solve the problem like we need something else on top of this great idea so that's why i think when you see a problem try to like okay let's try to solve but put yourself in different shoes uh and and try to see from different angles I think that is that's uh, a advice that I would give to both and the clients the same. Try to see this as a creative person. Try to see this as a consumer, and uh, sometimes uh, like it's good to uh, uh, try to imagine. Like I don't have like some some customers that are not happy with the brand because they you need to think that it's not everyone loves your brand from the get-go, right? And and to try all these different angles, I I think it's
2: important. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like what you just said, like empathy, um, optimize, uh, in a sense, like try different things at the same time yeah. and just uh, and just put people in different shoes um, and just, just yeah. kind of build that trust through that. So I think, I think those are really, really great tips. So thank you so much. Uh, so Luciana, for anyone who's watching or listening, what's the best way they can get in touch with you?
1: Uh, I think LinkedIn uh, I always respond to everyone there, so yeah, I'm yeah sometimes I don't post a lot sometimes I post like some articles because i i I write an article every month to relate to advertising and leadership, but it's in Portuguese, it's not always that I translate uh yeah, but linkedin is always there, and I have it's something that I always yeah i'm gonna promote here okay but don't need to (laughs) follow if they don't want but i have a a instagram that i illustrate my life in japan like try to really find the insights of things that are very different like almost like this cultural shock so it's Tokyo underline beats um yeah it's myself kind of a manga style and all this kind of like experience that i have in japan as a, a a foreigner living here
2: (laughs) that's really cool um so for anyone who's watching or listening i'll put those links uh, in the show notes below so luciana thank you so much for being on the show and for everyone else thank you for watching and listening and i'll see you on the next show